Okay, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Nathan. Good morning, everyone. Just hands up if you're an everyone this morning. Two of you. All of, that's all of you. Good morning, everyone. Yes, yeah, sir, it's good. I'm speaking to you. It's great to see you. And uh, it's my privilege to speak to you this morning. And we're continuing in the book of Jonah. So if you'd like to turn to Jonah, if you've got a Bible, there's Bibles on the side. But it will come up behind me, the text as well. But it's quite nice to have the Bible in front of you. This series is subtitled Learning to Run Towards God's Mission. Learning what it means to live as Christians and to help our friends hear the good news of Jesus and to help our friends and communities to come to Jesus. And if you're not a, not a, not a believer this morning, you're really welcome and I trust that you're going to also hear something helpful this morning for you. So turn to Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. Let me read to you from God's word. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That's like really scruffy clothing to show that you're really sad. When Judah's warning... Jonah's warning, rather, uh, reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently. Say, call urgently. Urgently. Turn to your neighbor and say, call urgently. That's it. Call urgently. Who's urgent? Who's urgent? That's Jem. Jem did that. That was Jem. Call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. It's quite a serious Message, quite a serious passage, that isn't it? God's wrath and anger is over Nineveh because of its wickedness. Very serious. Jonah goes, speaks to them, and they repent or turn away from their wickedness. They believe in God, and God relents. It's very, very serious message, isn't it? And and today's message is is going to be is quite. Serious message I'm going to be sharing with you today. Just a little warning there. And my main idea today is urgent prayer moves God. 
urgent prayer moves God. There's lots I could be, could be said about this passage, and please do use the blogs this week to cover more that's in here. If you want to know where the blogs are, just click on the teaching tab on our website and you'll find the devotionals each day. So urgent prayer moves God. But it begins, Jonah begins. It says here, Jonah began. Say Jonah began. A a profound point here, to start anything you must begin. I know it's obvious, isn't it? Why do we find it so hard? To start anything, you've got to begin. Everything starts by beginning. If you don't start something, nothing happens. Let's pray now and go home. That's it. It's very simple. Jonah, initially, we, as, we, as we've been going through this series, we've seen Jonah initially ran away from God. God called him to go to Nineveh, and he ran away. He ran away from God's mission, as we talked about. And now, Jonah, after going through a very difficult patch, going through God's discipline, he then turns around, he repents. God works in him, and he now goes to Nineveh. He begins. And when we t- this, during this series, we've been talking about serve, invest, and invite. We've been talking about how we can reach our communities, our friends, our families, our neighbors, the places God has put you, how you can help to bring them to Jesus. This is our vision, isn't it? Bring people to Jesus. How we can help to share this good news with Jesus. We talk about serve, invest, and invite. And like Jonah, he said, it says here, he went a day's journey into the city proclaiming this message that God had given him. You, we've got to begin So I wonder how, since we've been going through this series, how you've been serving, investing, and inviting. It's really important, and I'm talking to myself now, it's really important that when we look at God's words, that we, like Jonah, initially he was reticent, wasn't he? He didn't want to do it. But if this is God's word and call to us to go to our Nineveh, wherever God has put you, It's important that we do respond by beginning. Make a start. Do something. Make a change. How are you going to reach your friends? How are you going to serve them? We talk about serving, don't we? How are you going to love them? How are you going to be a good friend? And and, And I hasten to add to anybody who's visiting for the first time, this is not just about manipulation. If we if we are good and kind to people, we can manipulate them into something. Because our ends are good ends. We want them to know the living God. It's a good thing. What we, want for, we don't want their money. We don't want to ruin their lives. We want them to know the living God. And we want to serve, invest, and invite because we truly care for people. And we need a heart for people. That's why we do it. So we've got to serve people. Will we show, are we showing the love of God in a new way in the places God has put us? How are you doing that? Are you investing? We talk about investing. The relationships God has put in your life. Are we spending time with those people? Are we giving them our listening ear? Are we asking good questions? Are we being a good friend? Or are we so busy with work that we can't stop tapping on our keyboard to give anybody our time? Are we 
being moved to, to begin. So in, our, in your community groups over the last few weeks, you've been talking about how have you been doing on serve, invest and invite. And, you're gonna, and, and this week we're going to do the same again. Let's keep talking about this because we need to get better at this. The church in the nation needs to get better at this. If you look at any statistics around faith and Christianity, you'll see the only way is down. Baby. It's a song. The only way is down. The only way is down. In your schools, how many of your friends know Jesus? In your workplace, how many of them are Christians? We've got, we are called to a mission to bring people to Jesus. And, the, and we're only going to do it if we begin. Serve, invest, and then finally we talk about inviting, don't we? Invite them to church. Invite them to the Alpha Course. Invite them to know Jesus. But it always begins with serving, doesn't it? Loving people. And if we invest in people, we're going to see a harvest. But we've got to begin. We've got to begin. Just grab your own hand. Grab your own hand and say to yourself, it's time to begin. Right? You're talking to yourself. Look, come on. Come on, Jonah. It's time to begin. It's time to start. It's time to serve. It's time to invest. It's time to invite. It's time to get involved. It's time to change, to repent, to, to come back to God's mission. We can't worry about other people. You, me, how am I going to do this? And God will give you opportunities if we're willing. We're now going to talk to Lucy. That's quick, wasn't it? You weren't expecting that to come up now. Lucy's going to come up, and she's, I'm going to ask her a few questions about serve, invest, and invite. So let's welcome Lucy as she comes up now. Yes, each week, this is the last one, actually. Do you know what I'm going to do next week? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put us all on the spot. Next week, I'm going to... I think I'm, am I speaking? Who's speaking next week? You are. So Jem, sorry, I'm dropping Jem in it as well. We're not going to do an interview. We're not going to arrange it. I'm just going to, or Jem is going to ask you, or in the work, we do at some point, come up and share how you've been serving, investing, inviting. And there better be some people come up, right? Otherwise, it's going to be a bit embarrassing for you, Jem, isn't it? Standing there for a while, there's no one. But there will be. There'll be, a, there'll be a flood of people. They'll all be coming up, how they've been sharing, how God's been working in their lives. But anyway, Lucy, good. So it's great. Outside of the... Oh, we need a microphone, don't we? Thank you. Outside of the church, Lucy, what are the various communities that God has put you into? Yeah, um, I think the main one actually at the minute is my family. Um, and actually, this is why I really wanted to talk today because a lot, we've heard from a lot of people who um, kind of talk about going to work and things like that. I don't really go to work at the minute. Well, I do but I work here, so <laughs> there's not really many opportunities there to talk to people um, about God in, a, in an evangelistic way anyway. Um, so, yeah, I would say my family is really the main community. I also come here to um, attend Little Lamb, so I get to hang out with the mums and dads and the other carers there, um, go to a lot of other play groups. Really, my life is revolving around the children and what they need. Um, so conversations in the playground. How old are your children? Like How many children do you have? Uh, two. Um, so Tally is five and Asa is two. As of yesterday, As I of think. yesterday, yeah. 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 
So it's really important, yeah, family. It's such an important thing. You know, many of you would have been brought up in a Christian home, I imagine. And if your parents hadn't have evangelized you, you know, hey, where would you be? So it's, it's really important, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that was exactly it, actually. Sorry, I wanted to say that um, something that Becca has been saying consistently in our community group as we've been going through this um, is that if your kids are your focus at the minute, that, that's not wasted time. That's really good because they need our investment as much as anybody else. You know, their salvation is not, not yeah. guaranteed at this point. So, um, and that's really helped me. It's not a free pass, but it, you know, it's, it's acknowledging that you are doing the work because it can feel like you're just failing, can't it? it and you're like, I'm, I don't have time to take people for coffee all the time. <laughs> I don't have time for this, don't have time for that. But I, I have time for my kids because I'm with them 24-7. So yeah. that's really helped me. Um, and I know that that's been wisdom passed on to her from another mom. And I think that's important as well to encourage each other um, in, yeah. in the ways that we, we can serve our kids as well as other people in our community. Very good. Do you have any examples of how you serve in order to demonstrate God's love? Yeah, um, serving is something that I find like reasonably easy. Like I find that bit the, the easiest bit to do just because it fits into my life. <laughs> um, I quite like to cook. I quite like to um, be practical. So if I just cook a bit extra and give somebody a meal if they're having a tough time or something, I, I find that a reasonably easy way to serve people yeah. um and um what else do i do oh when i the other thing about serving is i think we have to serve other people who we know have connections with communities kind of further removed from the church um so what i mean is that um like i try and help serve people like the little lambs team because i see that they have connections and they spend a lot of time outside of little lambs meeting people as well so it's like if I can help them and enable them to be able to go and do that as well, then yeah. um, things like that, that I try and do. Very good. What challenges do you have to investing in relationships God has given to you? Yeah, so investing is the bit I get stuck on, definitely stuck on it. Um, because I think what we've heard the past few weeks has definitely been about time, hasn't it? Spending time with people mm. and I just either don't have, well, I do have, it's not that you don't have time, it's what, what you're doing with it and then you arrange something and it falls apart because the kids are ill or this, that and the other, something happens. Um, so I think investing is the bit that I'm definitely more stuck on um, yeah. at the moment. Um, yeah. What else had I written down? I think, oh yeah, the other thing is that it makes you quite vulnerable, doesn't it? So you have to be sensible with where you're, investing your time who you're investing it with because you do need time to come away and decompress and talk to other people about it and get prayer support and things like that so mm. so again I feel like one step removed from it I feel like I can do that for other people at the minute where other people are investing I can support and uphold them at the moment and this mm. is just a season of life you know um, mm. and eventually it'll be my turn to get yeah. properly properly investing again but how do you you talked about family mm -hmm. so you are investing in them so how would you, if you're a you know, you are a parent, you want to encourage parents here, or those who will become parents in the future, how, how do you invest to help your children to think more about the gospel and Christ? Um, I think being consistent with coming to church is really important, um, especially as we have like such fab kids work here. I often feel like I don't do that much, actually, because Tally will come away and, and tell me what she's learned at Promised Land, and she carries it with her through the week. I think that's amazing. Yes. Um, 
So I know there is that. Um, we take time to pray together. Um, we pray before bed, and the kids like to do that themselves sometimes, which is really nice. Um, I think it's just the little things. I think it's trying to have a, um, a very like Christ-centered atmosphere at home when you can. Um, I think it's a lot like lead by example. I spend a lot of time, time trying to be like, oh, be slow to anger. Like, oh, just <laughs> you don't struggle with that. You always do sometimes. <laughs> well, I try, I'm trying to be, I think. Well, yeah, you're doing I'm a great to, job. It, sort yeah. of invest in myself to, in order to show them how to you know, conduct yourself and things yes. like that. Wonderful, yeah. And I think that's important. You are investing, if you're a parent, you know, you're investing in your children for their faith. And, and it's exactly the same principles, isn't it? When you, if we're not parents, it, it's, we're just investing in people who are not your children. No, you're investing in them. You're showing them the example that Lucy was mentioned. Prayerful. We can all invest by prayer. Not necessarily say to, I mean, we can say to our non-Christian friends, can I pray for you? But just behind the scenes, invest by praying for them as you would for children as well. Um, do you have any examples of how you have invited people into the church community? Yeah, I think it's actually easy with small kids um, because we can invite them to Little Lambs, we can invite them to things like uh, the Christmas pudding evening. Um, so that's always quite a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, I think actually events are really helpful. Um, I think God has been speaking to me through this series that it's probably time we wake ourselves up a bit after, you know, the legacy of COVID and things where, and start to run a few more things if we possibly can and mm. um, have things to invite people to. It can be quite intimidating to come to a building, can't it? And yeah. people think they know what it looks like in here. They think they know what goes on. They think they don't like it, basically. Um, whereas actually when people get here, they're like, oh, this is really nice. I didn't think it would look like this on the inside. Um, mm. I didn't think you would all be friendly. You know, things like that. We're just people, aren't we? Um, Always a bit of a stretch, but you well, know, well done. It's encouraging. <laughs> Most of us, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think uh, events are kind of the central way. And yeah. Um, yeah. So just think, thank you, Lucy. Just think through what she's been talking about. Example, invest where you've been placed and don't feel guilty about that. If, you're, if it's focusing on par parenting at the moment, that's good. That's where God's put you and it's really important. Whether that's somewhere else, invest there. Invest in the people, love the people. And love the events we do. You know, p people do like coming to things we put on. Let's try and just cross that barrier. Just, but, but we're only going to do it if we love people and serve into their lives. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for all you do. So like Jonah, we need to begin. We just heard from Lucy there. Her beginning, what she's doing, how God is speaking to her, if every one of us in this community begins, it means we're going to have a massive effect upon this, this city and this place. The Ninevites believed God, you know, just through Jonah's simple act of obedience, of walking into a city, a day's journey, speaking what God had uh, told him to speak, they believed God and they repented and turned to God. We can never, and even the king, you, you can see here that it, the message goes to the king of Nineveh, the city. Probably the king of, of, the, of the Assyrian Empire as well, but we don't know for certain if that was the case. But 
We don't know where that small step of obedience is going to lead, but I can tell you now, if we, if we don't take a step of obedience, I'll tell you exactly where it will end up, exactly where you are now. But if you take a step, you never know where it's going to go. And I think that's what we all need to do, guys. Hear, hear God from this message and begin. Just begin, simple things. But it's going to, you know, particularly for us who are a bit older, it means changing the rut of, of how we run our week. Because, if, like I said, if, you, if last week you didn't speak to anybody new, you didn't serve, invest, and invite, it's unlikely to happen next week unless you make a choice. Because we run on habits. And the way we do our weeks tends to be the same things. And what we saw last week will be what we see less le- next week unless we make a change. So, remember I said, grab hold of your hand. It's about you. Let's make a begin. So Jonah began. Secondly, urgent prayer. This is the main point I'm making this morning. Urgent prayer moves God. That's the main idea of this message, really. Yes, we need to make a begin. Yes, we need to take some action. But really, behind it all, nothing will happen unless God moves in people's lives. The gospel message is foolishness, right? Jonah's message, right? Come on, 40 more days, and then you're going to be judged by God, right? I mean, that's going to go down really well, isn't it? How well is that going to go down in Putney? Go out there now. Go on, go and see how, go and see how it goes with you, right? You know it's, it's unlikely, well, it's not going to have any effect unless the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives. And, that's what, and when we obey God, that's exactly what happens, the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives. Our hope is not in us. Our hope is in God. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And this is what we're seeing here. It's like there's not a lot of detail here. It's purpo- now, this is how God has chosen to present this story to us. There's lots of questions we could have that we can't answer. But what it does present is people repenting and believing. And if, if we want to see people repent and believe, we've got to see the Holy Spirit moving in their lives as we share our lives with people, but also share the gospel message with people as well. Urgent prayer. We see them urgently praying. It says here, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways. And it says, when God saw what they did. I want to talk about urgent prayer and how we're doing in our prayer lives as a church and as individuals. Is it marked by passionate urgency because we understand that without Christ, people are perishing? Do we, do, do we get, do see, look at Jonah's message here, and if nothing's changed, he says 40 more days, and then there will be judgment. As Christians, we understand at, at death, there is judgment. At the return of Christ, there is judgment. Every person in our communities needs to receive the forgiveness that God gives us in Jesus Christ. That's an offensive message until it becomes the message that's dear to us because 
we know that we ourselves have been forgiven because of Christ. But we've got to understand that when we see this, this, this plight, this, this, this difficulty, that we, uh, we, we will be moved to urgent prayer. And I guess we don't understand the situation unless we're, if we're not praying, do we really understand the urgency of the hour? Do we really understand that people face eternity without God? Do we really understand that if we're not praying? So God is, I believe, calling us through the book of Jonah. He's calling us to wake up to urgency in prayer individually and together. And we've been seeing it happen. Our prayer meetings are getting more and more people coming, which is great. It was great. More, more passionate prayer. It's great to hear people passionately praying. And I want to see it more and more. And I believe that God sees passionate prayer. God sees prayer of faith. God sees urgency. And it's often a catalyst for him moving in a nation, as we see here in Nineveh. Perhaps we don't think that urgency is needed in prayer. Perhaps we don't think that's important. Perhaps we think, well, God's good, God, God's loving, he's kind, and he's all those things, isn't he? God, God knows what I think. God knows that people need to be become Christians and so it doesn't really matter does it if I'm involved I've got football to watch you know I've got important things to do I've got homework to do it's more important than than praying I've got I've got other things distract I've got things that are important are more important than prayer perhaps we think it doesn't matter if we get involved in praying personally or with the church it's easy I think and I fall into this trap I definitely fall into this trap. I believe in the grace of God. I believe that you are saved by grace alone. Hallelujah. I believe you are saved and you are a child of God. Because as you put your faith in Jesus, you didn't have to do anything. You just had to put your faith in Christ. You turn from your old life, I hasten to add, repent, and you put your faith in Jesus. And you are completely forgiven and received and adopted and you're a child of God. I believe that. Absolutely. But the danger is, is that you then say, because I'm that, God doesn't expect me to be urgent and passionate and fast and seek him with my whole heart. But somehow, because, because of the love of God and the grace of God, I can just be lazy and not diligent in prayer. I actually want to tell us this. I think if we really know God, that he accepts us, loves us, loves to hear our voice, love, invites us to come into his presence. If we understand that truly, we will run into his presence and be diligent in prayer because we know he hears us, loves to hear us. I want to convince you that your prayers are important and I want to convince you that joining with the church to pray is important. As we see here, when God saw their urgency in prayer, he relented. And if we want to see God relent 
in this nation and this city, if we want to see people coming to Christ, then we need to pray urgently and see him move in revival or in any measure. I talk about what, what revival is when God pours out his spirit in a nation and in a church. If we want to see that, it requires urgency of prayer. Give, this, does, does this match our, does this, what I'm going to read now from Isaiah, does this match our heart, okay? This is, this, is, this is God's word to us. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. Give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Do you see that? Give yourself no rest. Give him no rest. Like, but God, you, you are sovereign. You are almighty. You can do this, Lord. You can, you, can make, you can make Jerusalem successful. Why do you need me to pray? I don't know. But he says to you, post your watchmen on the walls, people to pray. Let them give him no rest. Give yourselves no rest. Does that mark me? Is that me? Am I like that? Or am I just, oh, I believe in the grace of God. I, don't, I can just go to bed and forget about prayer. This is what um, Leonard Ravenhill says. Okay, well, are you ready for this? Okay, this is challenging. He wrote, Why Revival Tarries, a book about why, why is there no revival? Okay, this is what he writes. Poverty stricken, this is strong. Poverty stricken as the church is today in many things. She is most stricken here in the place of prayer. I think we, come on guys. Is the, could you, could, do we honestly think that the church, look, think about the church in the nation. Is she a praying church? Are we a praying people? Are we like this king who rebukes us? He's known God for two minutes and he's calling a fast and praying and seeking God. Some of us have known him for 50 years, 20 years. And we, where's, am I passionate? So this is what Ravenhill says. I'm going to continue the quote. She, she is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Forgive the thing here, but it's... Many players, few payers. Many pr few prayers, many singers, few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. What many writers, few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. The two pre prerequisites to successful Christian living are vision and passion, both of which are born in and maintained by prayer. The ministry of preaching is open to a few. The ministry of prayer, the highest ministry, he says, of all human offices is open to all. Spiritual adolescence, spiritual adolescents say, I'll not go tonight. It's only the prayer meeting. It may be that Satan has little cause to fear most preaching, yet, yet past experiences sting him to, to rally all his infernal army to fight against God's people praying. 
Is prayer powerful and effective? And is, is it shown in the way we actually live and the way we actually do church? That's Leonard Ravenhill. That's Isaiah saying, post your watchman. What about Jesus? Does Jesus say, well, God is Father. You can just relax. He'll do what he does. It's fine. You go to heaven, so that's good. Now, ask, this is what Jesus says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Now, I cannot explain why simply asking is not enough. Why we sometimes have to add seeking. And why we sometimes have to add knocking. All I can say is that Jesus teaches us that fervent and persistent prayer leads to doors being opened that otherwise wouldn't. Do you want doors opened? And you know what I mean by that. I don't, you know, I mean doors of the Spirit. You want doors of God's work. You want success in the Christian. You want to see the gospel going out. You want to see people being saved. You want to see alpha courses overflowing with people. You want to see the church filled with seekers and new Christians and new believers. If you want to see those doors opened, we've got to ask, seek, and knock. That's Jesus. I hope you understand, we're seeing here urgency in prayer moves God. Let me just read to you a quote from about what's called the prayer revival. This is from Colin Whitaker's book, Great Revivals. It says here, he begins, Have you ever heard of the great 1858 American revival? An obscure man laid it up in his heart to pray that God would bless his country. That, ma- that man was Jer- Jeremiah Lanfear. Burdened by the need around him, he decided to invite others to join him in a noonday prayer meeting every Wednesday in Fulton Street for one hour. The first meeting, six attended. The next week, 20. The third, 40. They decided to hold a midday prayer meeting daily. Then came a financial crash and ensuing panic as banks failed. The atmosphere was ripe for God to move. The prayer meeting grew to 100. The others began to start prayer meetings. At last, there, were, there was scarcely a street in New York that, that was without a prayer meeting. There were 6,000 at this particular one attending daily meeting in New York. This spread to other cities. By May, it was reliably estimated that there were 50,000 conversions in New York, the population of which at the time was 80,000. 50,000 out of 80,000 conversions. Historical fact. There were several New England towns in which not a single person could be found unconverted. 
The revival became known as the prayer meeting revival. Edwin Orr, after long and careful research, endorsed the estimate that fully one million were converted out of a population of less than 30 million. One in three. In the revival, in the two-year period of 1858 to 59, the churches actually increased the membership by this figure. Solid and lasting converts. I want us just to see. Urgency in prayer moves God. Let's not be passive, and let's not think our prayers aren't important. You may be just a simple Jeremiah Lanthier, a man or woman who has a burden for the nation, but you need to get a burden. And I'm trying to give you one. May the Holy Spirit fill you today and give you his heart. And now you can say, oh, God can just do it. God can just do it. God can just do it. No, he sends Jonah and he sends you. And he makes you pray. He wants you involved. I wish it was other than that. I didn't have to get involved, but God wants me involved. I could read many other tales, but time doesn't allow me to this morning. Spurgeon wrote about revival and he saw constant revival for years and years what a man was very much it was involved in planting this church back in 1874 I think it was um he write this a true revival is to be looked for in the church of God revival begins with the church and spills over into the world it always begins by getting Christians right first this can be very painful and, the, and how does God want you to get right with him today? He wants you to take prayer seriously. Like you're in a battle, like we're in a war, and that you've got a part to play. Our response is this, call urgently on God in prayer. Call urgently on God in prayer. When God saw, it says here, the band's going to come up, we're going to worship now. When God saw how they turned to God, how they prayed. When God looks at us, what does he see? Does he see us urgently praying? He loves you. I've said this, I know he loves you unconditionally. He loves you immensely. But he wants to hear your voice more often. He wants you to spend more time with him. He wants to work through you. When God saw, God saw their urgency, what does he see in us? The king's actions are a, re- are a rebuke to Jonah. Earlier, we get a similar rebuke from the captain while they're on the ship, right? If you remember, the captain, this is chapter 1, verse 6, the captain went to him. He was asleep in the, Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the ship in the storm. And he says, how can you sleep? It's like spiritual, isn't it? How can you sleep in the storm, in this storm? How can you sleep? How can I sleep in this storm? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice so that we will not perish. This is just the same thing repeated, isn't it? Let's call urgently on God and let's see what he will do. And he can do great things. He can do mighty things. He can change a nation. He can change a city. 
If we want to have those kind of stories we just read about, we've got to be the kind of people who are urgent in our prayers. Let me end by the words, with the words of John Wesley, a man, again, who saw revival for many years. Let's stand together. John Wesley says this. And this is a man, not just a talker, but he is someone who actually does the business. Bear up the hands that hang down. By faith and prayer, support the tottering knees. Have you any days of fasting and prayer? Storm the throne of grace. Persevere therein and mercy will come down. And didn't he see it? He saw massive move of God in this nation in the 18th century. And many of us maybe even can trace our own faith and our parents' faith and our grandparents' faith to that move of God. The reason why there are any Christians in this church is because people have been witnessing and praying. And may we, as the baton is passed on to us, not drop it. May we pass on the baton of faith through urgent prayer. Urgent prayer moves God. Let's worship now.